Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, it is going to be a lovely, lovely day today. Well, I wanted to open today um, with a... Uh, oh, I guess. Uh, it takes a second to catch up. Well, good morning. <laughs> uh, it is going to be a wonderful day today. So I wanted to, to open today. So I, we, Amberlynn my, and I, my wife and I, have been reading through um, the Bible. It's the day-by-day -day chronological Bible. Hopefully it'll be right side as well when you see it. So the Christian Standard Bible uh, put out by Holman. Uh, it's day-by-day -day chronological Bible. So it takes you um, historically through the Bible. Um, there's also another one I wanted to tell you about. Um, <laughs> it's called The Untold Story of the New Testament, and it's by Frank Viola, and he does a really great, great job with um, taking the, the scriptures and having you read, especially, specifically the New Testament, um, basically has you um, read the, I think, uh, you know, talk, talk, to, talk to Sienna about this, and she's been reading it, but uh, Untold Story of the New Testament. So basically, taking it chronologically from um, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, like the Gospels, and having you read every book of the Bible, uh, I think specifically starting in Acts, um, basically the, the New Covenant people, the church, basically. But it has you read all of these, these passages in, in order chronologically, but also uh, it, it kind of gives you a, a reverse history um, from, from the perspective of Acts and taking you through these different books of the Bible. And so you read the books and you see how, how Paul's theology morphs and shape, is shaped. Uh, and it also shows and it gives a great examples of um, like who, you know, who he was writing to, why he was writing this letter, like why these different authors were writing these letters, um, who, you know, what context they're writing from, what context they're writing to. So it gives you a great perspective of each of the books of the Bible um, so that you don't, you know, because... These letters aren't just these random letters that were put out there. Um, they had a purpose. They had an intention. They had a reason that they were written. And, and so the reason you can find such great joy and in, in, in life in these in these things. Um, but so basically, so Ariel and I have picked up this one. And so we've been reading through the Old Testament. Uh, we've been reading through, like, of course, Deuteronomy, Le Leviticus, Numbers. Um, so we, we've, we've been reading through Deuteronomy. Um, and uh, it's been really cool to see um, just how um, the Old Testament, and this is the thought I want to talk about this morning, um, that the Old Testament, the, the laws, were actually freeing. So the, the laws of the Old Testament were actually a freedom, not a burden uh, on the people of Israel. They're actually... Um, Almost like us in the church hearing the law um, uh, of Jesus Christ and basically saying, or hearing the, the, the big three apostles, Peter, James, and John, saying, hey, I put no other responsibilities, I put no other laws on, uh, none, none of the laws, the Mosaic laws, traditions, whatever it is, I put none of this upon the Gentiles except for this, to abstain from sexual immorality, to abstain from things that have been sacrificed to idols, to abstain from things that have been strangled, and to abstain from blood, which is basically their paganism, wrapped up in a little book. 
And so we see this, this, this is the only law or like restrictions or anything that, that the church, that, you know, they, they put upon the Gentile believers. Um, and going back and reading the Old Testament, there's, there's a lot more to say about, about that dynamic. But what I wanted to talk about this morning specifically is how the law itself is actually free um, for, for Israelites. Because think about where they were coming from when they were coming out of Egypt. They were coming under, you know, they're coming out of a system of government by the Egyptians, and not only a system of government, but a system of worship, a system where they would worship, you know, Isis and Osiris and all these different Egyptian pagan gods, and these, this, the worship was wrapped up in their, uh, ec you know, economics. The, the, this worship was wrapped up in their way of life and their laws and their, uh, their order of, as a society. And so God was giving the Israelites a way of government. That's what they were being given. As a nation, all of these things, the worship and um, their, their daily laws, their daily living was wrapped up in the laws. And so if you think about it, there's like only like 600 something laws in the Old Testament. And that was like it. It was so freeing because otherwise, you know, outside of the laws, you could do whatever you wanted. Outside of the, the, the 600-something laws that were wrapped up in, in Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, there was freedom. You could do as you pleased. You could do as you wished. You could live a life of freedom. Um, <laughs> because think about how many laws we have in America, specifically. Lots. Lots and lots and lots of laws. Lots, I mean, so much so that you know the house of representatives like they're not called a representative or our senators anymore they're wrapped up in the phrase lawmakers and so basically we have a, a, you know representatives and senators in washington that their their job basically defines for us is they're making laws they're not putting away laws they're making laws um now no matter what you think about trump i don't really really care um but so one of the things that that I think is striking that not a lot of people know is how much deregulation that he's been doing. I think this, there was like 90,000 laws and, and regulations um, in our country at one point uh, before Trump started. And now there, I think there's even less now. Um, so this was like six to seven, or actually a year, almost a year ago, probably statistics. So he had deregulated and delawed um, 30,000, so basically almost a third uh, of all of the, the regulations and laws. So just as an example, I'm not saying like it's good or bad. I'm just saying, look at the you know tens of thousands of laws that we have as a country. And yet we don't feel like we're oppressed. We actually we, we keep you know, this mentality or, or at least this appearance or thought that we are a free nation, that we are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? That, that's the American goal that's the that's the great ex american experiment right is life and you know uh, life liberty and the pursuit of happiness but it's interesting interesting to me to think about the israelite nation and thinking about you know because we just wrapped up listening to all these laws and reading through all these laws and i'm like wow that's not that's not a lot and it gives a kind of a basic structure it gives you a basic way of living uh according to these different laws and like framing in certain things and you know like adultery and 
And you know, there's a lot of a lot of laws about if if uh, one of your your uh, livestock gores someone. Interestingly enough, um, what if they have the, some, such laws in Yellowstone? If if a bison gores a tourist, um, <laughs> but it's 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 just this outside these laws, there's freedom. And then, you know, so Jesus himself was opposing um, the people of, of Israel, uh, the, the 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 rulers and the lawyers and the scribes and the Pharisees, because they kept putting law more laws. They they had the law here, and they you know they then they wrote this you know these traditions, the traditions of man, as Jesus would would rebuke them, and they they basically did this you know they had law here, and then they were like. Did like a big you know, fence around it of all these minor, like smaller laws and traditions that they would do in order to not break the, the laws in the middle. And yet Jesus even said, you know, by keeping your look, perimeter fence, you're actually breaking the law. You're actually like living a life in, in you know, counter to um, my heart, because guess what? I'm Jesus. I'm the word of God. I wrote it. It's my words. Get over it. But, um, but basically, you're not fulfilling my heart and my desire for what I said, for why I said it that way. It was to protect people, is to protect you. Like all the all the, the, the things about the Sabbath, like, you know, he's breaking the Sabbath, he's breaking our traditions, la, la, la. Um, and absolutely, you know, I would just definitely agree it's the tourist's fault for being gored by a bison. It doesn't really help when you put your, your child on top of a bison and you take a picture and you get gored. You're like, oh my God, what happened? I digress. But... And so Jesus was basically saying uh, to them, like he was breaking their traditions of the Sabbath. He wasn't actually breaking the Sabbath. I mean, because by looking at it, you might be like, oh, he was, he, was, he was breaking the Sabbath. Like he was working, he was plucking heads of grain, and he was, you know, healing because he was, this is the work that God, is, the Father had given him to do. And, and he's, he's saying, no, I'm not, I'm not breaking the Sabbath. I'm doing good on the Sabbath. I'm here worshiping in the synagogue. I'm here, you know, reading the Word of God and, and talking about it with you. I'm not breaking the Sabbath at all to, to heal this person who's been sick and lame for decades. You know. um, and so he, he's basically you know, saying, I'm not breaking the law. I'm actually fulfilling what I meant when I wrote the law guys um and so that's what he talks about in here so in matthew he's he's rebuking again well, he usually does um the pharisees the religious rulers um <coughs> and he said um something there we go um then jesus addressed both the crowds and his disciples and said the religious scholars and the Pharisees sit on Moses' throne as authorized interpreters of the law. So listen and follow to what they teach. They're teaching the law. They're teaching and saying these are the laws, reminding the people of what the laws are. Um, so listen and follow what they teach. But don't do what they do. You're kind of like the old-fashioned, the old you know, do as I say, not as I do. This is where it comes from, basically, I guess. Um, for they tell you one thing and do another. They tie on your backs an oppressive burden of religious obligations and insist that you carry it, but will never lift a finger to help ease your load. 
Everything that they do is done to sh for show and to be noticed by others. They want to be seen as holy. So they wear oversized prayer boxes on their arms and foreheads with scripture inside. And wearing extra long tassels on their outer garments, they crave the seats of highest honor in, at banquets and in their meeting places. And how they love to be admired by men with their titles of respect, aspiring to be recognized in public and have others call them reverend. That sounds familiar. Hmm. But, uh, so, well, what is the intention? Like, what is God's intention? So here's here's the, where we get to the meat of what we're talking about today, of, of why this really resonated with me today. And Because every time I think about a, an, an appeal or, or revelation from the Old Testament, I think, okay, what is it for? What did Jesus talk about about it? How did how does this talk about Jesus? How does this refer to Jesus? Like, of course, the law, the word of God. Uh, but what did Jesus say about it? Is there something that Jesus addressed in this? But now, but then on, on the other side of that, looking into the new covenant, because remember, Jesus was still old covenant, because he was he was born as one under, under the law to those under the law. So Jesus is still old covenant until his death by the resurrection. He's giving kind of these these glimpses and these these foreshadowing of the new covenant coming he's he's telling of the new covenant he's describing the new covenant but they've got no base they have no way of understanding what he's talking about and so they don't understand the new covenant until the new covenant actually comes the new covenant actually is inaugurated and it's now ratified you know ratified in his blood and it takes takes root and so now looking in the new covenant um, we understand what he's talking about. So this is uh, Galatians chapter 6. Um, he says, uh, chapter or verse 2, Love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one. Which is what? If you remember the one law that Jesus gave us. The one, one law. The one command that Jesus gave us. Well, two. Believe in me and the, and the one who sent me. It's easy enough. It's called. It's a call to belief. But what is the law that he, the command, the one command that he gave us? Love one another. That's it. That was the only one. I'll go back and practice a little bit. He said, you know, he was asked, "What is the greatest commandment from again, the law and the prophets?" He said, "Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself." Upon these two, don't forget the last part of this. Upon these two, the entirety of the law and the prophets hang. Not like, you know, death, but like you can hang all of them on these two. He is describing, summing up the Old Covenant. What are the two greatest laws? If, you're, if you didn't have the law, and you forgot all the 600-something laws, what, what would be the greatest law that you need to remember to, to basically fulfill all the other laws? He says, well, if you remember to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, you ain't going to break the other laws because you're living a life defined by love of God and others. No matter who it is, no matter where they are, no matter what. It's, it's, it's they hang on these two commandments. Uh, but he said, this is my command. My command I give to you, John chapter 13. Love one another. I give you a new command. It's not really a new command, but it's a new command because I because I'm giving it to you now as my command. Love one another. And so this this is what it is. Love empowers us to fulfill the law of the anointed one, to love one another. As we what? Carry each other's troubles, burdens. 
So the burdens that he talks about that the Pharisees are just loading up and loading up and loading up on all on all the people under the law, Jesus is saying, what in the covenant, in the new covenant, we carry one another's burdens. We don't keep these burdens on one another with all this this crazy you know laws and you know extra things that we read in the Talmud and the Mishnah, um, all these traditions and, and, and ways of man. We actually help one another to ease their burdens, to ease their troubles by taking their burdens off of them, not keeping them on. Um, we're just going to, you know, hop and skip and jump, continue through. Uh, this is this uh, is Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. So why would you allow another to judge you because of what you eat or drink or, or insist that you keep the feasts, observe new moon celebrations or the Sabbath? All of these were but a prophetic shadow and the evidence of what would be fulfilled for the body of Christ, for the body is now Christ. Uh, so all these all these things were part of the, these these traditions that they that they heaped up later, um, after the law was given in the days of David. They would you know, do these like these these uh, new moon festivals and feasts and all sorts of stuff. Uh, oh yeah, of course the feasts were were old covenant. That was you know Leviticus number. Well, actually in Exodus. Um, these institutions of these feasts, specifically like the, the feast of unleavened bread, the the feast of new fruits, the feast, you know these agricultural agricultural feasts um, that were um, national feasts in Israel to celebrate the, the giving of, of provisions by God because they were agricultural in nature. Um, there's a lot more we can talk about that, but. Basically, all these different, these extra things, you know, the, the new moon, moon, new moon celebrations and stuff like that, that they added later, and all these traditions and things like that, like all these were but a prophetic shadow, and the evidence of of what would be fulfilled later on. It says, don't let anyone disqualify you from your prize, salvation, hope, Christ, Spirit. Don't let their pretended sincerity fool you as they deliberately lead you into their initiation of angel worship. So a lot of translations will say, uh, don't, you know, insisting upon asceticism. This asceticism is this, you know, the, this heavy religious practice and, uh, you know, severity to the body, you know, like the whipping we see in the, in like, you know, a lot of, a lot of times in the Catholic church, uh, like in, in old ancient times, I don't think it exists much today. I hope it doesn't. But basically, like this severity to the body, this literally, like when you when you mess up, you're beating yourself with these things, like these barbs, um, and and then and, and worship in angel worship, like worship of angels, um, they, you know, acknowledging and, and serving angels, and like you know, it's 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 good to be an aware of them, and you know, and asking like even you know asking like God send you know, send your heavenly messengers to minister to me like you're. You know, just it's, but it's not worshiping angels. It's not, you know, it's not um, about all these things. I digress. There could be, there's a lot that, that could be there. Um, obviously, for they take pleasure in pretending to be experts of something that they know nothing about. Their reasoning is meaningless and comes only from their own opinions. They refuse to take hold of their true source. Um, but we receive directly from him, and his life supplies vitality into every part of his body through the joining ligaments uh, connecting us all as one. He is the divine head who guides his body and causes it to grow by the supernatural power of God. Um, I want to skip on as well. 
to uh, this is James uh, chapter one. Um, don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it, for that is the essence of self-deception. So always let his word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of, of the word of God. By looking, looking at the Bible, I, I, I see who I am as a mirror, right? I look into the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face is the beginning. This is the beginning of it. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of his word. This is how God sees us. I love that description. You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of his word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. So, what is the sum total of all this? Like, what, what, you know, why I talked about this this morning? What is the encouragement this morning? What is the, the new covenant way of, of thinking about this? So, if the law of, li of, of, you know, the original Mosaic law was actually liberty uh, for the people of Israel because it was setting their hearts to worship God. And intertwining the worship of God with their economic life and way of living on a daily basis, and they had very few laws, and they could live however they wanted the the rest of the the rest of the time. There was no other laws besides the six hundred something laws. Again, going back to our laws, there's like tens of thousands of them, and that we live under them, and we don't feel like we're necessarily oppressed by them. Okay, maybe we might feel oppressed by them, but there's this element of there is no Christian law. There is no law except the law of what? Liberty. The law of love. Now, whenever it talks about, you know, I will write my laws upon their hearts, the word law in the, specifically the, the New Covenant, the New Testament, is actually, um, is, to, is actually better translated as like my character, my, my opinions, my worldview. That's a, that's a great way of thinking about it. So whenever you think about you know, little l law in the new in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. Think about it is my way of view, my perspective, my point of view, uh, is what God is saying. I will write my perspective, I will write my worldview on their hearts. And they will be my people and I will be their God. Uh, all this interaction, it's it's this wherever we live, I mean God's direction God's heart for the new covenant was to explode into the world of which we are living in the fulfillment of that. That the, that, the, that the covenant of God, that the gospel has gone into the nations. We are evidence of that because the gospel started in Israel. And now we're here over overseas in America and we're living in light of the gospel coming to the Americas. Um, and so that is um, a way to, to see it is uh, I will write my worldview upon their heart so that wherever they live, they're living under the laws of that land. Like Paul, Paul talks about and you know, encourages us in, in Romans 13, abide by the governing authorities in your land. Um, even though you don't abide by the Jewish laws anymore, it's, we are not under the Jewish laws, the 600-something laws anymore, um, we, because we have, we have national laws. We have laws that we abide by here in our country. But the ways of God, the worldview of God, and the way that we live under the laws of this land, the ways that we live 
in relationship with one another, the ways in which we live our everyday lives are defined by the laws of liberty, the, the perspective, the worldview of God, the worldview of Jesus Christ, the worldview of what we're told who we are, and we live by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, not by the laws. You don't walk by the laws. You walk by the Spirit. And you won't fulfill any of the, the worldly stuff around us. You know. And that's why I said that if you are if you are under the Spirit, if you are walking in the Spirit, then you are no longer walking. You know, you're not under the law, uh, but you are under grace. And so that's where you know where this whole discussion leads us is God's heart has always been for liberty. Liberty. Liberty, 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 liberty. Uh, we even have a girl in our in our church named Liberty. You know, <laughs> so Liberty. Uh, actually, I think two. We have two. We have two people in our church. We have. I think we have two people in our church named Liberty. They go by each of them go by Libby. But but here but here's the thought is like is Liberty is God's heart. That's why God only only gave them like six hundred and something laws. He didn't give them thousands. He didn't give them like an entire book that was this thick of of laws. You know, the laws are like this. It's like very little. And then the rest of them are traditions and interpretations. Um, and Jesus even said, you know, that all the traditions were bad. Like, you basically like putting a roadblock, a stumbling block in front of God's people. That they're not able to live the true nature of my law of liberty. Because you're putting all these other laws and all these other practices on top of the law. Like, not only can you, like, you know, do you observe the Sabbath, but you can't even, like, even today, you can't even walk, like, more than, like, 100 yards or something like that. Like, 200 yards from from town, from, from, the, from the synagogue, in the center of town. They've got this, like, Sabbath line around, like, even, like, hotels, they've got the Sabbath line around uh, the yard. And, like, it goes, like, in, in the middle of the pool. Uh, and so you can basically go to the middle of the pool uh, if you're a, you know, a Jew over in, in Israel and no further because that's as far as you can walk on the Sabbath day. Um, and so there's all these traditions and things that they're missing the heart of God, that God desired you to live in liberty. God desired for you to walk in the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit of Christ, to walk in love for one another, to walk in grace, to walk in joy. And so if you're living a life that you feel is not liberty, you're not living the life that God desired for you. If you're not living a life of, that you feel free, that you feel loved, that you feel empowered by God in His presence, you're not living the life that God desires for you. You know, there, there's an element of just simply working jobs, and but, it, but if you you're just feeling like this, this encroachment of like, I'm not doing enough, I'm not doing good enough, like I keep failing, I keep doing this. Stop thinking of, the, of, the, of that your way, of, of that your way. Stop thinking of, about it that way. That's not God's heart for you. God, again, I always go back to God. God basically wrote out you know the why of why he came and his heart for for you. John 10.10. 10. You know, this thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his goal for you. In humanity, but I, Jesus, not me, not me, not here. But I have come, Jesus, that you may have life and have it abundant, exceedingly greater than your expectations. 
Now to him who is able to do far, far eternally more than we could ever even dare to ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church. God desires for you immensely, eternally more than you could ever dare to ask or imagine. So, he doesn't say to not ask or imagine. Maybe that's the, the maybe that's the starting point for you. Maybe that's the starting point for us as at Shift Church, daring to ask or imagine, because then God can do in, incredibly more than. But the fact that we don't have, is, you know, because Jesus says you don't have because you don't ask. You don't have because you're not engaging with the heart of God for you. You're not asking you're, because you're not even daring to ask or imagine to, sh to, to allow him to show you that he can do internally more than you can ever ask or imagine. So ask and imagine and, the, and let him show you eternally more than that. Let, let God show you his true heart and his true nature for you and your faith, for us as his church. Specifically, us as this church and you as, as a believer. And, and so that's the, the, the point of this morning. The law of liberty. The worldview of liberty. God's heart of liberty and love for you. Yep. That's it. So I hope that encourages you today. Um, and uh, and again, if you if you have questions about that and want to meet, I am totally up for meeting for coffee anytime. So I would love to talk more about this with you, uh, or some coffee uh, here here in Belgrade. Uh, I've got some good some great coffee shops around. So give me a holler, um, email us or message us through the, the messenger or or anything, or something like that or the website. And love to or if you have my number, text me. Um, love to get together with you sometime. So blessings on your day. Love you guys. And go forth and live a life defined by freedom.